Well, hello and welcome to Growing Up with Papa. My name is Jason Ashley and I'm your host and Papa to about a dozen of the best kids in the world. We'll be tackling everything from bullfrogs to nursing home residents and talking about all the stuff that we've learned along the way. So if you're all grown up, then well, you know how important it is during the quiet alone times in your life to be to be able to be happy with who you are and have a peace with decisions that you've made. And you might know how tough it is to live with shame and scars because, well, you didn't have somebody to help point you in the right direction. Well, it takes a lot of love and some heavy-duty, hands-on commitment to help point kids in the right direction. And we hope you get on board and enjoy this wild ride we call Growing Up with Papa. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Growing Up with Papa. Today in the studio, I've got Brother John, Big John Posey. Hello. And I got Sister Aaliyah Kate Posey. Come on, sister. Come on, sister. Say hello like you mean it. Hi. Oh, there she is right here, ladies and gentlemen. Future famous in the house right here. We're going to talk about a couple of things today that we've been experiencing here lately. Leo's in on one of them. We buried some things in the dirt, and we dug some things up here recently. It's tater planting season, and we've already got... Our eyes in the ground. I'm not talking about our literal, literal eyes. I'm talking about our tater eyes. Now, if you don't know, let me just give you a quick lesson on where a potato seed comes from. It's not a seed that you buy and plant in the ground like a corn kernel or a pea seed. So you take an actual potato itself. And did you help Aunt Leah? You Where was you at? I was at. Well, what are you doing here? She's been in at the past, so we're going to keep her in on this. So I looked this up. Actually, the difference between seed potatoes and a regular store-bought potato is a, a potato that you buy at the store is treated, sprayed with a an inhibitor that keeps it from sprouting so much. And the ones you buy for seed, they're more likely to sprout early. So you, me and Brother Posey sit in the shop and cut up 50 pounds of red potatoes, got them ready, and a lot of people say you cut them a few days ahead of time and let them heal over, and they kind of get a uh, tough skin on the on the fresh part. And which way we plant them, John? We, what do you mean, plant them? How, how they go in the ground. Oh, they're um, butch down and their eyes up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> butch down, eyes up. John, y'all put this paper out. I'm going to go down here and start this one more Come help me. Uh, yeah, put them, put them in the middle of the row. You know how to do it? Tell her, Abigail. Me, me, not Abigail. Put this one back in here. Well, you already got that done. Show, tell her how you do it. Y'all doing a good job. It's fun, ain't it, Abigail? Mm-hmm. I like the ones like this. Oh yeah, them's easy. Abigail, come on down. We've already did that. Come I mean, yeah, Camille helped a little bit. Abigail. Abigail was Isaac, big on it. Isaac. Me, Seth. Yeah, Seth my, Andrews came over. My dad, he Papa Ricky, and you, and my mom. We had a big crowd out there, so we took uh, we took just one evening. 
or middle of the day, I think, got out there and just got all 50 pounds planted. We had about eight rows, and we wound up having to make some more rows to get them all of our seeds in the ground, but we got them all. Are you turnip hunting or are you planting Come potatoes? Go to the end and come no, back. I'm turnip hunting. Turnip hunting? Walk down. What are you going to do with them? That's got a hole in it. I'll just keep it. Oh. Cook it. Cook it? Yes. All right. I'll take it to the uh, playhouse and cook it. Has all of them got eyes, Isaac? Yep. All of the potatoes got eyes? Yes. You see some that don't have eyes, we'll just pray. Ain't got no eyes. If the Lord can heal blind eyes, maybe he can put eyes on the potato. Are them eyes or ears? We put something that wasn't worth much in the ground, and we're waiting on something that's going to be worth a lot. We like taters. Now, they say if you can get 10 times what you planted. So we should be shooting for around 500 pounds of potatoes. Hopefully, we'll have a, a tractor bucket or two or three full of potatoes whenever it comes time. Usually around Mother's Day, we'll dig them up. How long is that? Uh, about the middle of May, and this is, uh, we're recording this. March. Yeah, first of March, so a couple of months. What is it? My birthday's in four days. Aaliyah's birthday's in four days. That's why she's on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. That is why. That's why she's here. Her birthday's in four days from now. So by the time you hear this, she'll be 12 years old. Whoa, Boots, when you hear that sound, that means it's time for Hair and the Biscuit. That's right, just a little something you wasn't expecting that we're going to pull out and check out before we go any further. All right, get ready, Boots, here we go, Hair and the Biscuit. For Hair and the Biscuit today, I consider doing a piece on the Natchez treasure and the legend of the lost gold that the Indians supposedly took from the Spanish over in Natchez, Mississippi, and ran over into Louisiana, into these parts, and supposedly buried it somewhere. But after doing a little bit of looking and digging and researching, I figured out pretty quick that there's a good bit of info out there about this event. So I want to do a little more scratching around before I do a good episode on it. So today, we're going to talk about another local legend. We're going to talk about the lost lead mine of Catahoula Parish. And there's a lot of uh, oral tradition passed down, talked about. Now, my grandpa actually told me that he talked to an old Indian guy that was, when he was a kid, can remember making a trip from where they lived out around Gina, which I think they were Choctaw Indians. He said it was one day's journey into the hills to the lead mine, and they would carve out enough lead to make their bullets and stuff. They didn't take get it all. They just got what they needed. And my grandpa knew about where it was at, around about vicinity, because we would be out riding sometimes, and he'd say, well, somewhere up in here is where that old lead mine is supposed to be. He said, I sure would like to find it. And I think there's been lots of people look and search and try to figure it out, but nobody's come across it today, up to this point today, so... It's located in the Chalk Hills in Catahoula Parish, which is the Chalk Hills are named because of their chalky soil. My grandpa would take me up into the Chalk Hills. I remember being in his old four-wheel drive and we'd get out, and it would be actual just cliffs of chalk just where he would take a hammer and break some off, and you could ride on, on the blacktop road with it. 
It was really, really chalky, rocky dirt, I guess just chalk. But supposedly, somewhere out there in the deep darkness of Catahoula Parish, way down in one of the valleys, or maybe high up on a hill, lies a lit mine that's just laying there waiting for me to find it. So me and John went back behind the house, and we found some pretty good stuff. Matter of fact, I got it here with me, and uh, if you can hear this, This right here, ladies and gentlemen, is a square nail. Now, square nails were made by a blacksmith one at a time. Yeah. Yeah. What's that, too? An old square nail. What's that mean? That means it, it's old. They made square nails one at a time. Blacksmith did. So is that rare? So that mean, well, that just means it... Uh, this house was old. Whatever was here. Yeah, but you think the old house place around here? I think it was right about where we at. Okay, let me see my mother. They took a hammer and heated it heated up the metal and for a short period of time they cut them out of a sheet of metal and made them like that. But ninety percent of the old stuff you'd find were um, hammered out. And we found about one, two, three, four, five Six, seven, eight, about eight good square nails at that old house place that we have no idea who lived there, how long ago, or what. That stuff right there is old wood finding, ain't it? Yeah. Bad old. Well, I got something in my hand. Oh, there it is. Square is nail. Square nail. And then we got a piece of chain right there. Oh, yeah, we got a piece of chain right here. You hear this? That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is a piece of chain that he probably tied their old mule up with or something. Or probably. Chained the gate up. And we got a piece of something here that's pretty heavy. And I don't know. It's got a hole through the center of it. It looks like a donut. <laughs> looks like half a donut. I don't know. Maybe it broke an ear that broke off of something. Dude. Dude. Has that got a hole in it? <gasps> it does. My goodness. What do you think that is? Like maybe an latch to a door, maybe or something. Let's see if there's some more stuff in there. Still, still showing more. I bet you there's more stuff up in there. I bet it is. Too much, it may fall apart. Yeah. Well, we better keep it like check that. It, check it out and see what it is. Yeah, it's about to break. Yeah. Yep, see. Dude, that's something. Something. I know. An old tool. We ain't doing bad at all. No, we're doing pretty good. Running a hole. Glass. Uh-huh. Huh. 
not it, though. There's something else in there. <gasps> cool. What is that? I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's a piece of chain. What is that? Piece I guess chain? a piece of an old chain or something. <laughs> oh, oh. That's still. Uh, from what I found in the past in this place, this old homestead, they, I found some farming implements like uh, a couple of hoe heads, um, some horseshoes, and I found I found a piece of a pitchfork one time. What's that? What they pitched the hay up on the piles and stuff. Oh, or maybe that was at a different place. So anyway, I think they had some uh, animals that they farmed with up on that ridge, and it's one really cool something. It's like it sounds like a sword or a gun. Yeah. Leo, that's no near where a gun or so worth yes, it does. Nowhere near. <laughs> no, like this looks like the end and then this looks like the Oh yeah, it's kinda of shaped like a miniature sword. It's, it's about, like when it gets yeah. about halfway it like it's a little circle around it. Yeah. It's about three inches long, it's got a uh just a around shim in the middle of it. It's it's almost shaped like a square nail except bigger. In the middle it's got a a, a flat piece of paste plate. I don't know. I have no idea what it was. So somebody come look us up and tell us what we found here. But we're going to do some more digging. Well, let me tell you about what me and Tristan done. You know, we've talked about Doc Young. We talked about the, the, the gold bars that he took to the Harrisonburg Bank. We talked about the hidden treasure that he probably had at his house. Well, we asked around and we found out about where he lived. And I was a little mistaken about when he lived there. Apparently, it was up into the 60s, early 60s. So that puts it a little further ahead, liable to have a bunch of junk, like jar lids and pots and pans and stuff that pre-Civil War ladies wouldn't have laying around their house, you know. Aluminum foil. When aluminum foil come out, it just it never rots. And when you find it, it's everywhere. So me and Tristan, we hit the Doc Young place. And we went to finding stuff left and right. You hitting it? Oh, it's right there. Is it something big? I feel it. Oh, what is that? Uh-oh. Oh, it feels flat. Oh, uh, maybe a quarter? No, it's not. It's something big. I have my finger on the edge of it. All right. Call me in right there. Found it? Found it? Right here. It's right here. Listen. Listen. Oh, that sounds like something. Ooh, that's pretty big. It's way over here. There it is. No. Nope. Like a sprocket. I'm gonna make sure I see it. Something else in it? Bank. Could have been off an old place of farm equipment or something. Yep. It might be at that old house place. Yeah. Can we keep it? Yeah. I told you bring the bucket. Let me go get it. Alright. I'm, I'm we found pieces of an old tractor. We found pieces of an old car, truck. We found an old hubcap. I mean, it was pretty cool to find that hubcap. 
an old tractor graveyard or something. At least we know we're in the right area. We found no gold bars. <laughs> Are we not going to tell y'all if we found any gold bars? Let me put it that way. Yeah. What would you do, Lee, if you found my stash of gold bars that I found digging up? I'd be proud that I found it. Yeah. You found it. Yeah. I found it. What would you buy if you had about a bazillion dollars? I would buy shoes, clothes, (laughs) everything that a girl would want. That's what I'd buy. Because she only has about a thousand pair. I got rid of a lot. Yeah. Aaliyah's. Blessed. I have a lot. So she needs some gold bars so she can buy some more clothes and shoes. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on there a minute, Boots. When you hear that sound, that means we're fixing to kick open the feed barrel and dig around a little bit. Because there's more in there than just horse feed. Time to dig around in the horse feed and see what we can find out here, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the Bible's full of a few stories about treasure, lost treasure, buried treasures. One of the things that Jesus talks about in the book of Luke, he tells a story of three different things that were lost. The first one that he talks about was a lost sheep. And the second one he talked about was a lost coin. And the third thing he talked about was a lost son. Now, all three of these instances, the thing that was lost was very valuable to the person who had lost it. The shepherd left the 99 and dug around in the wilderness and waded through the briars and the thickets and looked through the rocks and the trees and all the bad places till he found that one lost sheep. That sheep had lost its value when it was lost. But when the shepherd found that sheep, it regained its value. And there was a coin that a lady swept and scratched around in the house and swept all the dust up looking frantically for this one coin. Now that coin, while it was lost, was of no value to this lady because it wasn't in her hands. But when she found it, she rejoiced. And I think she called all her neighbors around, and they all had a big party because she found the lost coin that was valuable once again. And the last one they talked about was a, a boy that left home, and he became lost, and he became lost in the sins of the world and the and all the life of reveling and partying and just having a good time and covered up in the sins of self and just what's in it for me. And he found himself buried in a pig pen with a hog slop all over him and mud and junk. He wasn't worth much at that point. But his daddy was back home longing and hoping that he would be uncovered because... He was of no value and no worth until he drug himself out from under all of that hog slop. Then he became valuable. And we're the same way. God's not going to save us in spite of ourselves. We've got to realize that if we're not where we're supposed to be in his hands, and if we don't repent of our sins and 
get all the junk of this world off of us. We're of no use to him. We're no use to the kingdom. We're no use to ourselves. He wants to rescue you so bad. He wants to sweep the house and he wants to search the wilderness and he wants you to run home out of the pig pen. But you got to make your mind up to turn from the things that you're in Start heading home in the right direction. Because when you're lost and you're out of the will of God, then your value is lost. But when we crawl out from under the sin of this world, he's going to run to meet us with his arms open wide. Heaven's going to rejoice. All our neighbors will party. And the shepherd will be glad when you come home. Because you are valuable. But you got to be where you're supposed to be to be able to have that value. You belong in the arms of the master. Come on, somebody. So anyway, stay tuned. But here's what here's what we want to do in the future. I ain't even talked to Big John about this. Aaliyah might want to get in on it. So I know we're in old, old, old church once set. Now, this church, I know it was in existence mid just right after the Civil War, mid-1800s, to about 1905. Because I actually have a copy of the church ledger that uh, was passed down through a family, and I got a copy of it, and I've seen the original. Let me tell you about this ledger. It is very neat. I should have brought a copy with me so I could read some of it to you. So, what it was, they, they joined the Washita Baptist Association. So whenever they joined the Washita Baptist Association in, in the 1800s, they kept minutes of their church services, the offering that they took up, how much they paid the preacher, uh, who all was there, who wasn't there, different things like that. And so this church ledger started off in the early or mid-1800s with uh, cursive writing, which is kind of sloppy and hard to read and misspell a lot of words misspelled it's really neat to read it who was there but through the years the the calligraphy i think is what you call this fancy handwriting got better and the story that they told me the family that gave me the book said they sent a lady in the community that went to that church to texas to learn calligraphy and she learned all the swoops and the dots and the how to make that fancy writing so she come back and she's writing in this book and it's really the old writing that you can see a lot of times. Still misspelled a lot of words, but it was it was pretty looking. And it was re- something really neat. Let me tell you this. In the pages of that book, some of the words are purple. Now, they didn't have purple ink, but what they told me, a distant cousin, kinfolk of mine, his name was Carl Posey, had a copy of this book, had this actual book. He said that they would run out of ink and they used elderberry juice. Didn't have, like, it wouldn't get washed away? Nope. I guess they cooked it down or maybe mixed it with something, but they, they boiled elderberries, the purple elderberries, and made an ink out of the elderberries. And it was, today it's just as bright and pretty purple as it was back then. It's really neat. It's a really neat book to look at. So I know where this old church is at and about. I don't know exactly, but I think we can find take our metal detectors and hit the woods and probably find some sign where that old church was at. Yeah, I'd like to. Where's it at? So it's, uh, it's 
pass where the posies live. Brother Robin's grandpa will go up through the hills, and there's a road that intersects there and turns right and comes out at the old Webb Kemp Church, which is the manifest by the David Poole's church, which used to be a pretty good settlement. They had a train station and a post office there in the, in the 1800s. So anyway, this road, this intersection, back in the hills to the left, was where the old Jerusalem church was at. That's what he called it, old Jerusalem. Another man that I know of, it's a posy, has a, a bench that come out of that old church. So we're going to check that out, see if we can find where the old church was at. I've heard that there's some graves out there that's just marked with rocks. I've heard that uh, they picked the church up whenever the attendance got low, I think. And there's a lot of stories. It moved to the Washita River, and I think is what they call the new Washita Baptist Church. They would have a circuit rider come through about just maybe like once a month. He would just ride through and preach. He was a uh, routin, R-O-U-T-E-N, I think is how you spelled his name. And he would preach, and they mentioned other churches. And we may do an episode on, on that old ledger and some things in it. But what was funny, they would kick the people out of the church for doing things like hunting on Sundays, for dancing. If you danced and they called and they found out about it at the Jerusalem church, they would write you a letter of dismissal. And so you could not dance in the church? No, dance period outside the church. They had what they know what they called reveling. And that was the reason for a dismissal. A lot of times was reveling, dancing, hunting on Sundays. Uh, there was several different reasons that people got, booted out of the church back there and they wrote it down in this ledger so it was tough back then. <laughs> yeah and they probably had to walk several miles to get there if somebody didn't show up they'd send a group of men after them check on them they'd give them a chance or two and if they didn't show up they'd they'd boot them out yeah and they was taking up like a a dollar up to a dollar a few cents for offering on sundays i wouldn't go to that church <laughs> Well, a dollar back then was a lot, but uh, I just took up what they could and paid the circuit rider preacher. Anyway, we fix to see if we can find that place with the metal detectors coming up pretty soon. So we need to get our trapping game wound up. We'll do it on the next episode. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We got taters coming up, and we got we got some gold in them narrow hills. We fixing to dig up. Oh yeah, we're gonna find that old church. We probably, I hope we don't dig somebody up. I'd call the cops. There's a dead person buried in the grave. Not even in the grave, in the dirt. I do have a, a quick story that I would tell about somebody who done some metal detecting. A local guy who is way up in his 80s, I think. He told me we was talking about the old house places, and I wanted to get him to take me and show me where some of them were because you can't tell anymore. Uh is it Brother Ricky? No, it's Eddie Roy Posey. So that's Charlie's grandpa. So he told me he was metal detecting one time, and he was in an old house place. He said was the Richardson place, and his metal detector went off, and there was a rock under it, and he rolled this rock back, and he checked under it and dug under it, and a big rock, and uh, he said he found a cake pan. like He described it as a cake pan, a, a thin metal pan. So he... He opened it up, got it out of the ground, opened it up, and there was a baby skeleton in there. 
And so he didn't know whether it was foul play or how long it had been. And so uh, another one of the local guys was part of the sheriff's department, and he they turned it in. They sent it to LSU to be analyzed and decided it was just a uh, premature baby. And so the probably the old family didn't have no way for doctor stuff, so they'd done their own burial at their own house. And he just stumbled across this really shallow grave with this casket made out of a cake pan. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah, so they sent it back home. It was just a skeleton, a little small baby, and they wound up putting it back in the same place and putting it right back under the same rock, back in its final resting place. I wouldn't have did that. Where's that at? I don't know. That's one of the places that I wanted him to show me. Just One day I'm going to get him to ride me around and show me all the old house places before everybody forgets where they were at. He must have some good treasures. He probably, yeah, ain't no telling what all he's found. All right, John, we through with this episode? Yes, sir. All right, let's get out of here, Rubber Bandit. Bye. All right, Boots, come on. Let's get out of here. All right, watch out. Don't step on the taters. They got them coming up yet. Man, we're going to eat good. I'm going to have French fried potatoes, mashed potatoes, and scalloped potatoes, and taters and onions, and taters, and, and uh, boiled potatoes, and meat potatoes, and taters, and all rotten, and taters, and taters, and taters.